Monday, April the 12th, 2021, and this is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. On Mondays, we play a comedy, and we've got a good one today. This one is, uh, it will make you laugh, but it also might uh, make you a little bit emotional, and you'll learn all about that in a minute. So it's time for you to settle back, get your feet up, relax, get rid of the cares of the day, maybe have a little refreshment, and just unwind. We're coming right back at you with a really, really entertaining, classic, old-time radio comedy. Something familiar. Something peculiar. Something for everyone. A comedy tonight. Something appealing. Something appalling. Something for everyone. A comedy tonight. Potentious or polite. Ready tomorrow, coming tonight. <laughs> okay, what we have coming up is uh, a Halls of Ivy from May the fifth, nineteen fifty. This one features, besides Ronald Coleman and Benita Hume, it has uh, Willard Waterman, uh, B. Benaderet, and Herb Butterfield. And this script was written by Nat Wolf and Don Quinn. And the song, The Halls of Ivy, which is, of course, always featured to introduce and close the show, but you're going to hear a little longer version of it in this one, was written by Henry Russell and Vic Knight. This is a classic Halls of Ivy episode in that um, it sort of turns the tables on someone or, or a thought or a belief. And we had one a few weeks back that we played that uh, was about prejudice. Well, this one tonight has a similar theme, but the prejudice is displayed against Victoria because of her background as an actress. And that is looked down upon by the Ivy alumni and benefactors. At the end, I think you're going to find that this one is going to bring a tear to your eye and it's going to put a bubble in your throat. And if it doesn't, well, then you are made of sterner stuff than I. It's from 1950, The Halls of Ivy, The Student Actress. Ladies and gentlemen, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the largest selling beer in America. No wonder it's the beer that made Milwaukee famous. And now, the Halls of Ivy. 
that surround us here today. Welcome again to Ivy. Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. It's that period of watchful waiting which happens every spring between Easter vacation and final exams. Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, president of Ivy, spends his days now in careful consideration of possible results of year-end fatigue. His wife, the former Victoria Cromwell of the London stage, is listening now, as he says. And it's true every year, Vicky. From the moment they come back after the Easter holiday, anything can happen. And nine out of ten times does. It's the annual silly season. Well, I refuse to worry about it, Toddy. Your ability to handle the youthful mind always thrills me. If it were only the youthful mind. This epidemic of spring strikes almost everyone. Age confers no immunity. Even the faculty begins to organize ukulele clubs. <laughs> and the board of governors are forming themselves into a scouting troop, which they are calling the Ivy Beavers and Bruisers. <laughs> Whatever do they do? <laughs> Who knows? Beef and bruise, I suppose. <laughs> the youngest member is 58. Last weekend, they all slept under the stars at Schultz's Grove in pup tents. It rained on Saturday night. Cats and dogs. Were they communing with nature? Yes, but apparently nature didn't commune back. None of them has been able to get out of bed since. <laughs> These disciples of Tarzan have learned, I imagine that aping an ape-man is not to be uh, monkeyed with. <laughs> I suppose they had to call off their Tuesday meeting. Yes, each one now is nursing his cold and dreaming up deviltry for me. Oh, I think you're just imagining things, Toddy. Don't forget it's getting close to the end of the year for you, too. You're tired. Mm, I hope you're right, but until the first day of exams is over, I won't be able to hear a telephone ring without... Without what? Uh, without answering it, I guess, with great fear and trembling, and the sincere hope that it's the wrong number. Excuse me. Dr. Hall speaking. Uh, oh, Mr. Wellman. Yes, I expect to be, but... I... No, 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 I'll be here. All right. Goodbye. Spring is here. And busting out all over. He's livid. But when isn't he? A very proper question. He probably means to prove that I personally turned on the rain Saturday night. Then bribed all the town doctors to prescribe arsenic in generous doses. Uh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> why did Mr. Wellman go to such lengths to carry on this great feud with you, Toddy? Does he really dislike us so much? Well, to be quite fair to our chairman of the board, Vicky, I don't think he could answer that question himself. Mr. Wellman is deeply and sincerely interested in this college and everything that happens here. Well, so are you. You're also qualified to do the things that need to be done and do them much better than anyone else. Well, thank you, my darling. But my business, however, is education. Mr. Wellman's is soup. On him, it looks good. <laughs> I can close my eyes now and see him peering through the noodles. <laughs> well, as the saying goes, let him wear them in good health. <laughs> At any rate, in or out of soup, he is devoting his fortune and the rest of his life to Ivy. And for that, if nothing else, he has my um, qualified admiration. <laughs> Wellman is an absolute devil, and you know it. He's out for your hide. <laughs> 
And mine, too, for that matter. Well, Vicky, he can have mine. It's a rather tired, very battered old hide, <laughs> scarred by the marks of whip and spur, but, but yours, ah, that is another matter. And if there is ever any move made in the direction of your lovely epidermis, <laughs> well, Mr. Wellman will discover why they used to call me Wildcat Hall. <laughs> the tiger of the tap room. Oh. <laughs> well, personally... Yeah, well, that's I'd... probably soup face now. Now, now, Victoria. <laughs> Mrs. Hall. Yes, Alice. There's a salty-looking character here, a nasty old job. Looks like a top sergeant just busted to corporal. Did he give you his name? Well, not till I made him sound off He just wants to talk to the top brass Name's Wellman He ought to be pensioned by now Well, ask him to come in, Alice Okay, but you're wasting your time, Colonel I do wish he'd stop calling me Colonel Makes me feel like Like going out and Munching some blue grass. <laughs> ah, Mr. Wellman. Dr. Hall. How do you do, Mr. Wellman? I'm not doing well at all, Mrs. Hall. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Furthermore, as it is entirely due to your, your most recent interference in college affairs, I shall come straight to the point. Now, just a moment. Not that straight, Mr. Wellman, if you please. This lady is my wife. You will remember that. I do, Dr. Hall. It is not my desire to be disrespectful, but I am a man of few words. I do not propose to shilly-shally. Would you mind telling me what I've done? It has come to my attention, Mrs. Hall, that you are using your uh, influence to persuade certain students to take up a, a, a career such as yours has been. Me? Persuading students? What, you mean to go on the stage? <laughs> How ridiculous. I shall have to ask you to be more specific, Mr. Wellman. It has come to your attention. Through whom? And who are certain students? I am not at liberty to mention names at this moment. Then you have grossly overstepped your authority to have mentioned this at all. I shall take it up with the board at once. You will take it up. I will take it up, Doctor, tomorrow at a special session. You apparently don't question the truth of this accusation at all, do you, Mr. Wellman? Hardly. The source is beyond reproach. And I take it that is more than you can say for Mrs. Hall or myself. I have a high regard for you, Dr. Hall, and Mrs. Hall, professionally. <laughs> I have never believed, however, that your two professions could be fused. My argument this time has, I think, been proved. It is firmly established, then, that I, I, I'm a menace to Ivy. That, Mrs. Hall, is a rather extreme way of stating it, but I must admit... Uh, Mr. Wellman. What is it? You've gone pretty far with me before. I've tried to be fair, to be understanding. May I offer you a word of advice? Pray do. You had better be right this time. Good day, Dr. Hall. Good day. Pompous, fatuous, self-righteous ass. William. Oh, what the devil's he talking about anyway? And the foggiest idea. Does it worry you, darling? Oh, how could it worry me? I, I know how you behave with students. You're wonderful with them, and any influence you ever used has done them good. Hey, hey, Colonel. Who, oh, what? Oh, oh, me, yes, uh, it's you. <laughs> uh, what is it? Well, I heard that old buzzard screaming in here, so I'd give his orders a little frisk. You did What? I cased his effects and sifted his knapsack. Alice. Yes, ma'am? At ease. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Now, what are you saying? I lifted some papers. Thought we might go through them before taps, get the case broken by Reveille, and go into the court-martial with our heads up and tails over the dashboard. <laughs> Well, 
You stole some papers? Ma'am, in the armed forces, we call it liberating. <laughs> but, Alice, this is criminal. My orders came straight from the upper echelon. Brass hat called Merriweather, phoned while you were busy. Merriweather? Yep, gave me my orders. Told me just where the papers were. Told me to snatch them. He's phoning you later, so read them, Colonel. Go ahead, read them. Certainly not. Well, I will. <laughs> I'm the prisoner anyway. Hmm, see, I can... What's, uh, what's this? Oh, look, Toddy. Victoria, you must not go through Mr. Wellman's private correspondence. Dull, though it probably is. <laughs> Why not? He's making a business of going through my private life. Here, this envelope's marked in pencil. Case of Betty Garnet, Victoria Hall. Betty Garnet. My gosh. <laughs> That's the first time I ever heard you say my gosh, Victoria. <laughs> now, if you can only learn to follow batting averages and chew gum... Oh! We... <laughs> What's the matter? I don't have to read Mr. Wellman's mail. I know now. Well, tell me. Betty Garnet is the most talented youngster in the school. Theatrically, that is. She was the toast of the Junior Follies. You know about that. But what you don't know is that I wrote her mother a letter. Did you? Why? Because I thought she was wonderful. I sat down and poured out all my enthusiasm about her to the one person who ought to love it, her mother. But I, I certainly didn't suggest that she should run away from school and join a burlesque company or something. No, of course you didn't. Writing her mother was a fine thing to do. I, I'm just trying to think why the name of Garnet rings such a bell with me. Garnet. Anyway, I can't understand why there should be such a fuss about a highly complimentary letter to a parent. Oh, I can. What, you mean that simply because you were an actress and the letter came from you Exactly. That... I'm an actress, or was, so anything from me is uh, sinful and sinister. Oh, now, can, can anyone be that narrow in, in this enlightened age? If this age is enlightened, Toddy, there's a certain dim bulb named Wellman who... <laughs> I'll get it. Uh, Dr. Hall speaking. Uh, Dr. Merriweather. Oh, hello, Mr. Merriweather. Yeah, I'll make this brief, Doctor. I told that military gargoyle of yours to swipe those papers because I think this whole thing is absurd. Tempest in a crackpot. And you know who I mean. <laughs> I, I do indeed. Yeah, I wanted you to be prepared, Doctor. Uh, Mrs. Garnett will be here tomorrow for the meeting. You know the type. Thin-lipped and thick-headed. He's demanding that Mrs. Hall be forbidden further contact with the students. What? Forbid my wife to... That's what her letter said. Being as how she contributed more than a quarter of a million bucks to the school in the last two years, the governors think she's a highly cultured lady. What do you think? I think she's an eagle-beaked ghoul. <laughs> uh, I shall insist on having Mrs. Hall's letter read at the meeting. Oh, have to insist, Doctor. There's a man who can hardly wait to read it. He's rehearsing already, with gestures. Gestures like cutting a throat. Yeah, I know the man you mean, Mr. Merriweather. <laughs> My jugular vein is his favorite target. Uh, he's a little more determined than usual this time. Oh, why? Well, nepotism raises his curly little head here, Doctor. You see, Mrs. Garnet's maiden name was Wellman. She's his sister. What do you say to that? Oh, brother.
meeting of the Board of Governors is drawing to a close. Dr. Hall has been harried and beset for two long hours by the sniping of Mr. Wellman and the snobbery of Mrs. Garnett. The President of Ivy is speaking. And in conclusion, Mrs. Garnett and gentlemen, may I say this? Having heard Mrs. Hall's letter and forgetting for the moment that she's my wife, I think we're fortunate indeed to have such warmth, such understanding, quite by accident, on this campus if my recognition of her virtues could be called an accident. Uh, Remembering again that she is my wife, my pride in her knows no bounds. Mrs. Garnett and members of the board, a college such as Ivy is made up of more than bricks, mortar and books. There are elements even more important than what we call learning. It is our tradition to furnish proper equipment for life. And whether we do it with textbooks... Songs, good talk, or or simple understanding of our fellows doesn't matter. Mrs. Hall has been an invaluable contributor. Victoria! Oh, Toddy! Was it awful for you? <laughs> it was magnificent for me. Thank you, my darling for giving me the opportunity to say out loud so many things that, uh, had they stayed inside me any longer, would have turned into cute little ulcers. What's going to happen? I have invited Mrs. Garnett to tea with her brother. Oh, no. (laughs) What kind of tea shall we serve? Hemlock? (laughs) Uh, I don't look forward to it either, my dear. But I thought it highly unfair that you shouldn't get a crack at her, too. As long as she's here Well, I could have lived without it Oh, I know But one can't let a person go about the world Accusing other persons of uh, One thing or another Just because one knows only one class of Of person I mean, can one? Would you mind repeating the question? (laughs) Yes, darling, I would But we'll give Mrs. Garnett an abridged four-year course in world understanding over one cup of tea. Lots of sugar. All right, Toddy. I'll do the very best I can. You don't have to do anything. Uh, Did anyone call while I was out? Yes, and strangely enough, Betty Garnett. She asked if she could see me this afternoon, and not knowing of these plans of yours, I said yes. Well, let her come. It'll be a nice surprise for her. Hey, Colonel. Uh, Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) Me. What is it, Alice? The old buzzer's back. Got a vulture with him. Alice, you simply must control your powers of description. I cannot permit you to talk like this. Oh, sorry, sir. Mrs. Garnet and Mr. Wellman to see you, sir. That's better. Less accurate, perhaps, but more courteous. <laughs> Ask them to come in, will you? Yes, sir. Uh, as you are. <laughs> Does she drive you crazy, darling? No, she only frightens me. I rather suspect that the whole household has taken on a new color since her arrival. A sort of a lurid khaki. You know, she makes me... Ah, Mrs. Garnett. Mr. Wellman. Dr. Hall. Victoria, may I present Mrs. Garnett? How do you do? Uh, My wife. How do you do? Good evening, Mr. Wellman. How do you do, Mrs. Hall? Uh, Mrs. Hall? Won't you sit down, please? 
Well, tea will be in in just a moment. I- I'd better warn you, Mrs. Garnet. Tea may be served four abreast or company front. Our cook is ex-army, ex-whack. But she's the best I could find at the moment. Really? I presume you do have trouble in keeping your servants. Well, no, Mrs. Garnet, that isn't the difficulty. I'm afraid the home of a college president is different from those you'll find around Boston's Back Bay. <laughs> yes, that's true. We really do have to be prepared for some quite remarkable eating emergencies. Like, say, 20 hungry students at 6 o'clock on any Sunday night. What is the emergency about that? The emergency of each one of them having run out of what is known as his allowance. I have always found it charming in my own home to serve al fresco. Well, I'm sure you have, but sometimes it gets a little too al fresco when I find myself cooking for an unexpected dozen or more. <laughs> do you cook? You bet I do. I make the most wonderful risotto with mussels. Ezio Pinza gave me his own recipe. <laughs> Let me say, Mrs. Garnet, that for me, Cook's Night Out is one enchanted evening. Hmm. <laughs> risotto with mussels? But when could you possibly have learned to cook, Mrs. Hall? What with your years in the theater? Well, we have to eat, Mrs. Garnet. Yes, even in the theater. There are producers who minimize the necessity, but it's there. (laughs) It never occurred to me. Oh, not that you didn't eat, of course. But I've always thought of an actress as, well, late suppers. You know, a cold bottle and a hot bird, the Savoy Grill, (laughs) that sort of thing. Well, there's that, too, when you're a success. It's usually a long time arriving. A hot plate in one's flat helps to bridge the gap. I remember seeing you in the gap, Mrs. Hall. (laughs) Lulu's Mad Moments, Golders Green, 1934. (laughs) Well, that was the gap, all right. It ran three days. (laughs) And six months later, I got my next job. A smaller part, and I didn't like it much either. Why did you take it? I was an actress, Mrs. Garnet. That's my job. The profession I'd chosen. What happened? Hmm. That play ran for two years. And at the end of the run, Vicky found herself London's newest star. How fascinating. How many years had you been working at it by this time? Well, that bit of information, Mrs. Garnet, will remain forever a secret. I should imagine. (laughs) Anyway, from that time on, you were a star. No, I didn't hit the jackpot until one day at St. Andrews when I sank a 40-foot putt. Scotch producer, I won the match and a starring part. Do you play golf, Mrs. Hall? Well, I wouldn't say that, but I have a full set of clubs, Mr. Wellman. And a handicap that makes me press like a tailor. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I must say, Mrs. Hall, I, I'm amazed. Cooking? Golf? Really, I, I had no idea. Mrs. Garnet, may I ask you a very direct question? Of course, Doctor. Have you ever known an actress before? Good heavens, no. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm terribly sorry. Oh, don't apologize. I do understand so well. Is it um, shocking to find out that an actress can be, well, something approaching normal? Well, frankly, Mrs. Hall, it is. And a shock that may be very good for me. Tell me a little more. I'm beginning to think I'm a pretty stupid woman. And I know about my brother. (laughs) In that that case, I have a feeling we could be very good friends. You know, Mrs. Hall... Call me Vicky. You know, Vicky? My name's Grace, by the way. 
I'm going to tell you that I only hope the influence Elizabeth has had at home is half as good as she's had here. Grace! And you, Clarence, why don't you mind your own business? <laughs> now, Vicky, tell me. Uh, Mrs. Garnett, I feel... What that about that risotto? Grace, this oh, yes, is well, not... I'd be, I'd be delighted to give you the recipe. There are several ways of doing uh, Victoria, it. Victoria, Grace, oh, Go on, Vicky, go on! tried to get into a conversation when two women who have suddenly discovered each other are talking? <laughs> it's impossible. Do you know that for the first time since we had known each other, Mr. Wellman and I sat in complete silence, looking at each other in almost a friendly way? Tea came and went, and the long shadows began to deepen over the lawn in front of the house before we could get in another word. It's a wonderful recipe, Vicky. I'm going to try it as soon as I get home. Oh, good. Uh, pardon me, uh, yes, Mrs. Hall. Yes, There's a Miss Betty Garner to see you, ma'am. Oh, Elizabeth. She doesn't even know I'm in town. Well, ask her to come in, Alice. Uh, she said, ma'am, for you to come to the living room window. She's got a surprise for you. There's a lot of personnel with her. Just tell the girl her mother's here. No, no, wait a moment, Mr. Wellman. Let's see what she's up to. Well, why don't you all just sit still for a moment? Betty! Yes, Mrs. Hall? What's all that crowd doing with you? Oh, will you stay right where you are? You look so pretty framed in the window like that. Oh, thank you. You know, we didn't do much after the Junior Follies were over, but we thought about a lot, mostly about you, because the Follies was you. You had the patience of a saint. You never stopped working with us, and you beat our brains out in the nicest way anybody could. And you gave us the best Follies in the history of Ivy. You know something? We love you. And we want to tell you so in the best way we know. We can sing better than we can talk, anyway. It isn't tied with ribbons Or wrapped in cellophane The gift we bring is gratitude Expressed in this refrain Oh, we Surround us here today, and we will not forget, though we be far, far away to the Sacred 
Thank you, Betty. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Mr. Wellman. Yes, Dr. Hall. Any questions? I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the largest selling beer in America. No wonder it's the beer that made Milwaukee famous. And here again are Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Colvin. Oh, Toddy, I do hate moving day, don't you? Despise it. Except that in this case, there are no brawny moving men peering into the old refrigerator in hopes of finding an overlooked bottle of something or other. <laughs> are you all packed, dear? All packed. I say, Vicky, do you suppose our friends will be able to find us again after we move? Well, it'd be dreadful if they couldn't. Better make it very explicit, William. Very well. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, beginning May the 10th, the Halls of Ivy will move to Wednesday night over the same NBC stations. <laughs> Your local paper will give you the exact time. We hope you'll join us next Wednesday night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Be sure to see Ronald Coleman's latest picture, Champagne for Caesar. Remember, beginning next week, The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman, will be heard on Wednesday. Tonight, Lucille Norman played Betty Garnett. The other players were Willard Waterman, B. Benadaret, Herb Butterfield, and Lois Corbett. Tonight's script was written by Nat Wolf and Don Quinn. The song was written by Henry Russell and Vic Knight. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn, directed by Nat Wolf, and presented by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ken Carpenter speaking. Next, stay tuned for We the People over most of these NBC stations. That one goes back, way back to May the 5th, 1950. Wasn't that good? The student actress on the Halls of Ivy. And I just love it at the end when Victoria is just about speechless and, of course, fighting back tears. And she says, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was good. That was very good. I think another reason why the Halls of Ivy always touches me so much is that is um, pretty much my parents' generation. And it's the generation of uh, my wife's parents. And being that I am a baby boomer, our folks were the ones that would have been in college just about uh, in the late mid to late 40s and uh, even perhaps the early 50s. I think my wife's dad, after he got out of the Army, went back to uh, Bradley University and graduated in the early 50s. So anyway, it's it's sad and heartwarming, I guess. I, I don't want to be morose. Uh, it, it's not all sadness. There's a celebration of life there, but it just always gets me. I lost my dad. Well, I lost my mom almost 20 years ago, but she, she died much too young. <clears throat> Excuse me. My my dad, though, came to live with us the last uh, six or seven years of his life because of uh, his poor health. And we had to move him uh, back here to St. Louis uh, area from uh, Long Beach, California. And I was uh, really glad to have him with me for the last uh, about seven years of his life. And it was it was a special time. It was hard at times. Don't get me wrong. But we did get to know each other better, and especially toward the end, we, we definitely got to say our goodbyes. But anyway, I think that's one of the reasons why the Halls of Ivy always um, kind of gets to me. I think about these people in their prime and with their whole future ahead of them. 
And that to me is touching. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. April the 12th, and uh, I hope you have a great Monday. We are going to go out tonight with a little Nora Jones since we're feeling all nostalgic. We'll be back tomorrow with an old-time radio drama. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday with a mystery and on Thursday with a Western. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me.
Stay. 